Scriptures today, Isaiah 46, 10 through 13. I make known the end of, from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey. From far off lands, a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said that I will bring about. What I have planned that I will do. Listen to me, you stubborn-hearted, you who are now far from my righteousness. I am bringing my righteousness near, and it is not far away, and my salvation will not be delayed. I will grant salvation to Zion, my splendor to Israel. In Luke 24, 13-16 and 29-32. Now is the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything they, that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? We ask God to bless these words to our heart and our minds. We have a Bible study here on Wednesday morning, and and we have a, a pretty good time with it. And we just finished uh, the Bible study called A Case for Christmas by Lee Strobel. And I know some of us have also read his book, The Case for Christ, which is the story of Lee Strobel's attempt to disprove that Jesus never existed. Lee and his wife were confirmed atheists and happily raising their daughter. And his wife met a person, she was invited to church, and his wife became a Christian. And she was led to Christ, she found him. Now, understand, atheists are not happy to have a loved one becoming a Christian. Lee thought it was a made-up story and he was furious. He was so upset that he was ready to end his marriage to the woman that he adored. He was an award-winning newspaper reporter, so he was challenged to go and disprove these these claims of Jesus. Find the facts and present them to his wife, and that'll stop this nonsense. So Lee went out to prove that Jesus was a fantasy, simply a legend. I think it helps sometimes to remember that Jesus himself often taught his disciples and followers in ways that were kind of confusing to them with the instructions that all would be made clear later and they would understand. Perhaps to understand an atheist like Lee, we need to look at 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. And even if the gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, which is the society we live in, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 
And yet the promises of Jesus don't end with his dismal thought. Remember, our Jesus gave sight to the blind, not just the physically blind, although that's a great example for us to use, but the spiritually blind. Just think of Paul. Was there any more of a Jesus hater than Paul? And yet Jesus spoke to him, opened his spiritual eyes, and transformed his life and our life too. Well, Lee went off and he worked very hard to disprove the, the story of Jesus. And as atheists do, they looked long and hard for evidence to disprove the claims that are in the Bible. But I think we know they can't be disproved. After months of searching, with some heavy drinking and fighting with his wife, he came to the only conclusion that the facts allowed. This man named Jesus was real. He was crucified, buried three days, and rose again. Finally, Lee accepted Jesus into his heart, and his eyes were opened. There's a story that Luke tells us about, about other men whose eyes were closed to Jesus. It, I, I want to note that only Luke mentions this in his narrative. It's, there's not a word about it in Matthew, Mark, or John about the Emmaus Road experience. And at first reading, maybe this leaves us with more questions than answers. And yet, as we study the story of the Emmaus Road, and we find out that it is holy ground. I want to lift up as a thought this morning that through our hearts, that through Jesus, our hearts will burn within us in his glory. Our Bible reading today is from Luke in 24, verses 13 through 35. And I'm going to kind of paraphrase it. Now, this is the, the day, three days after the crucifixion. And these two gentlemen are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And we're told it's about seven miles. So they've got a two to three hour walk ahead of them. And as they're walking, somebody joins them. And maybe there were a lot of people on the road leaving Jerusalem after the Passover. We don't know. We just know all at once that Jesus appears with them and starts walking and talking, but they don't know who it is. His, their eyes are blinded that this is Jesus. Now, Jesus says, what you talking about? And they are so depressed. They're so downcast. And Jesus says, well, what's going on? And Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who didn't know what was going on? Hey, man, where have you been? Don't you know what happened these days? What things, Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. But the chief priests handed him over to be crucified to death, and they crucified him. And what's more, this is the third day since this took place, and some of our women this morning went down to the tomb and claimed that Jesus' body was gone. Now, have you ever heard of such a thing? They said the angels told him he had risen, but I haven't seen him. We don't know that. So they're they're pretty upset. They're pretty unhappy. Jesus said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets said. Do not, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things to enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, 
he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Now as they're reaching the village of Emmaus, he appears to be going to go further. But they said, no, come on in, have supper with us. You can spend the night here with us. We'll take care of you. So he went out, He went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks and broke him. And, and broke it and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road to to Emmaus as he opened those scriptures for us? These guys got up and at once returned to Jerusalem. Even though it was night and getting late, they must have been tired, but they were so excited. They went back to where the eleven disciples were meeting together. And and the disciples were saying, It's true, the Lord has risen. And these two fellows say, yes, indeed, he has. The Lord has risen. Then the two told him what happened on the road and how Jesus was recognized them when he broke the bread. In our text this morning, we're introduced to two men on the Emmaus Road who almost had a meal with someone famous. We have a wonderful narrative about the appearance of Jesus after his resurrection, and that is the story of the road to Emmaus. It's the evening of Resurrection Sunday. There were two men who were followers of Jesus, but probably not a part of the uh, immediate circle of disciples, and these fellows are walking home. They're headed to the little village, which is not terribly far from Jerusalem. What's well, going to take a couple hours to make it? How they must have been feeling? Disappointment? Doubt? Disillusionment? Defeat, discouragement, despair. All of these words sum up how Cleo and his companion were feeling as they trudged up the road toward Emmaus. They had left downhearted and uh, confused. and They were afraid and bewildered over what had happened to Jesus on Good Friday. The two men, as they traveled along, were sad and disillusioned. Only a week before, their hopes had been risen to a fever pitch when the excited crowds welcomed their master, waving palm branches and shouting, Hosanna! They knew this was it. Jesus would sponsor an uprising and take over Israel from the Romans. Jesus would be their new king like David had been. Oh, the excitement! But suddenly it all turned wrong. Jesus did not overthrow the Romans. Instead, the master they loved and followed had been horribly put to death a cruel and degrading death on a cross. Jesus had been a spectacle, exposed to the jeers of all who passed by, and now Jesus lay dead in a sealed tomb. Their hopes were dashed. The dream was over. As the travelers made their weary way to Emmaus, a stranger fell alongside them, and it was going to be one of the most wonderful walks in history. We know, we know that it's the risen Jesus. But somehow they didn't recognize him. In fact, Luke tells us they were kept from recognizing him. It wasn't an accident they didn't notice who he was or or that they were too preoccupied to look at him in the eye. No, they weren't allowed to recognize Jesus for a purpose. 
so that, in a sense, they might be in the same position we're in 2,000 years later. So Cleo and the other unnamed disciple are heading for home. The text said Jesus just showed up. Don't know where he came from, but he showed up. The text doesn't say if they were startled by any means by this stranger just joining them. Maybe there's lots of people walking on the road heading home from Passover. So perhaps this just appeared to be someone catching up to them. No big deal. Undoubted, Cleo and his friend had at some point been with the disciples because they are, they, amaze, they are amazed their walking companion who just seemed to appear on this dusty road hasn't heard the news about Jesus. Even though crucifixions were not rare, rare in the area around Jerusalem, Rome had crucified about 2,000 residents of Jerusalem during the uprising when Herod the Great had died. The crucifixion of Jesus had gotten everyone's attention. So they asked their companions, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? Man, where have you been? How could you have missed what happened during these three days? So these fellows on the, this dusty road heading to the tiny town of Emmaus begin to tell him Jesus about Jesus. Now doesn't that beat all? First, they back off a little bit when they describe him. He was a prophet. But then they, then they said he was powerful in both things he said and did. But they crucified him. And revealing their powerful sorrow and disappointment, they said we had hoped he'd be the one to redeem Israel. Meaning, of course, to overthrow the Roman rule, restore the sovereignty of the nation, and establish a, again a king on the throne of David. But they said it's been three days, the end of hope. In addition, they added the fact that women had a crazy story about Jesus being gone from the tomb. And that they said angels appeared to him and said Jesus was alive. And of course, the, angel, the disciples investigated and found the tomb empty. They, these two probably said, you know women, they're just crazy. Wanted this, it's not going to happen. Then we know that this stranger, whom we know to be Jesus, but still unknown to them, begins to teach them. Of course, Jesus' Bible is what we call the Old Testament, the Law and the Prophets. So Jesus walks them through to tell them what was said about the Messiah. Carefully and completely, he teaches them and reminds them of their own scripture and prophecy that he fulfills. Strange it is that they would not have recognized him, these two people who walked together on the road to Emmaus. For two days they thought of nothing else. They spoke painfully of him as they walked. Their hearts ached for his loss. But you see, at this point, they're still blind. Then the stranger joins them on the road, and they talk together. They listen to him. They didn't shut him out. They could have, you know. They could have told him to just shut up and go away. We don't want to hear any more. But although they were blind, they listened. They were open to learning, to hearing the word from the word. Have you ever met somebody that was so interesting that you just didn't want to part from them? Somebody that you knew immediately would be a friend? I know I've been blessed in my life with some women that I know immediately would be important to me. And I wanted to be sure I stayed in touch with them. You know that feeling? I hope so, because it's an exciting and delightful experience. 
So our friend, our friends Cleo and his friend have been walking along, talking to this fascinating stranger. They were probably fascinated by this man's complete understanding and knowledge of the scriptures and how he was able to make it come alive for them. As they approached their village, the guy was so interesting that they extended an invitation to him to be their guest, and he accepted their hospitality. And still, they didn't know him. Isn't that a great picture? Jesus walking along the road with despondent and confused disciples, sharing their troubles. How I would have loved to listen to that conversation. It must have gone on for some time, and these two weary walkers on the road to Emmaus listened attentively to the stranger. They're tired, and the hour's getting late, and it's the custom of the day to ask a stranger who had nothing to eat to join you for food and to offer him shelter. So Cleo and the other disciple invited Jesus to eat with them. Preparations are made. The food is placed on the table. And then Luke says, when he was at the table with them, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. That's, folks, where things get exciting. The, ta- the text takes quite a turn. Strange it is that they should come to know him in this particular way. He broke bread, and they knew him. What an astounding revelation. More articulate than the words he had spoken was the breaking of the bread. More vivid than his countenance was his breaking of the bread. More penetrating than the scriptures he expounded was his breaking of the bread. Did I ever tell you that ain't nobody who can break bread like Jesus? Perhaps we shouldn't find this so strange after all. How often had they seen him break bread? Jesus had distinguished himself as a hearty and even controversial eater. How many times had Jesus done that before? How many times had they eaten together? Either out in the hills of Galilee, at a friend's home, with Martha, Mary, and Lazarus? or in a room like the upper room where they shared their last meal together. Jesus actually began his ministry with eating and drinking. At the wedding in Cana of Galilee, he turns water into wine. All the guests are amazed because it's usually the best, the host serves the best first. But the guests at the wedding thought he had saved the best for the last. Jesus fed 5,000 on one occasion and 4,000 on another. Even on the hillside, the ritual is the same. Jesus thanks God, breaks the bread, and the disciples distribute it. And not only that, there was there were twelve basketfuls of bread, uh, food left over, one basket for each of the twelve disciples who did not believe there was any way they could feed five thousand people. Jesus brought down the wrath of the religious elite upon himself because of his dietary customs. He ate food with sinners and tax collectors in violation of the sanctimonious taboos of his day. When he was hungry on the Sabbath, he proceeded to help himself to the standing but forbidden grain and to lead his disciples to do the same. He chose celebration feasts rather than somber fast as the hallmark of his ministry. Jesus was actually accused one time of being a glutton. On the eve of his crucifixion, Jesus had insisted upon eating the Passover meal with his disciples. 
After supper, and what was to be his last meal with them before his death, he again broke bread with them, saying, This is my body. He shared the cup with them and likened the wine to his blood, soon to be shed. These were among the flood of memories that these men brought with them to the table at Emmaus. Thus it is less mysterious, but no less moving when we read. When he was at the table with them, he broke the bread and blessed it. He took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. They came to know Jesus through the breaking of the bread. It is the, at the blessing and breaking of the bread, these two disciples recognized Jesus. Their blindness fell away and they saw Jesus. Not at the Bible study while they were walking on the road, but at the table where they shared fellowship together. It was when the bread was broken that they realized who Jesus was. It was when the bread was broken that all the scriptures made sense. It was when the bread was broken and he handed them the pieces he'd blessed that they knew the bread of life stood before them. As Jesus broke the bread, they recognized him. Was it the way he did it? Did they see the nail, print, the nail prints in his hand? Or was it just God's appointed time for the veil to be lifted? We're not sure, but this much is certain. When Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them, they recognized him. And then something else happened. Jesus disappeared from their sight. Can you imagine the shock? I can just see these two guys look at each other with their big eyes and their mouths open. Can you imagine the excitement they must have felt? They knew this was Jesus. He wasn't in the tomb. The crazy women had been right. The tomb was empty. This wasn't the king to take over the Romans. This was the king to take over their hearts and our hearts. Where they were blind, now they could see. They said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Their encounter with Jesus had been emotional. It had stirred them on the inside. It had moved their very hearts. And once moved, they couldn't help but share. Think of that expression. Our hearts burned within us while he was speaking to us. Isn't that a great description? Can you just feel that? I hope that in your lifetime you have experienced the joy of hearing the message of Jesus and your eyes have been opened to the scripture and your hearts burn for Jesus. The guys were so excited that they immediately left and hurried all the way back that six, seven miles to Jerusalem in the dark at that very hour. It didn't matter it was dark. It didn't matter it was late or how dangerous that road was. They left for Jerusalem. Now they found the 11 uh, disciples. And these guys gave witness that Jesus was risen, that he had walked with them and talked with them, that he explained the scriptures, and he had broken bread at their table. And then as they excitedly explained their day to the 11, something else happened. Luke tells us that Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Wow. Amazing, wonderful, blessed, and their eyes were opened and they saw Jesus. We share in communion here every week. 
words spoken for more than 2,000 years in every language in every land. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. In the very bread itself, Jesus is revealed. When God's people gather together to share the common loaf and to participate of the cup, Jesus is present, revealed. Our eyes are opened, and our hearts burn within us. Okay, guys, this is where the 2,000-year-old story is brought into the present. When disappointment, doubt, disillusionment, defeat, discouragement, depression, and despair fill our lives, Jesus is the unseen stranger who's walking alongside us. He's listening to us, and if we're willing to hear his voice, he'll reveal himself to us. Earlier I used 2 Corinthians 4, 3, and 5 that sometimes to the unbeliever, Jesus is veiled. But it's important to go on in that chapter because it tells us something else, too. In verse 6, For God, who said, Let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. In verse 8, we're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory, far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. unseen. But what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The author Lee Strobel started out believing he could easily disprove the story of Jesus, and he sought eagerly and carefully. He read and talked to experts, and in disproving Jesus, he discovered Jesus, and Lee's heart burned within him. How about you? Does your heart still burn within you for Jesus? You know, we offer as much help here as available. If you have questions or concerns, let us know. We'll work with you. If you need to come forward and, and renew a commitment to, to your Christ, we invite you to do that. This morning we'll share, we will share communion, the breaking of the bread, just as it's been done for thousands of years. If that doesn't get your heart burning for Jesus, then it's time to get serious. Get back to scripture and prayer. Get back to seeking and honoring. And Jesus will be with you every day in every way. Would you pray with me? Dear Father, you've provided the instruction that we need to know you, just as you did for the men on the road to Emmaus. Open our spiritual eyes that we can see you in your word and in our lives. Help us to feel the joy that those early followers of Jesus felt when they first saw him after the resurrection. Help us to dedicate our lives to, to him. We ask that you bless this congregation and guide us. We ask that your son walk beside us every day. In his name, amen. <laughs>